following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, why don't you put your hands together for Jesus. So my name is Russ Cripps. Um, I do not work here. Um, I was walking down the road and um, I found a microphone and I came in and I'm going to preach. Is that okay? Uh, I was here way, way, way back in the day. Um, I've been gone 11 years. My family and I went to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, home of the LSU Fighting Tigers. It's okay. It's okay. If, 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 you, if you know me, you, you, surely you knew there was going to be an LSU reference somewhere. In, I mean, because there's Jesus in LSU. I mean, that's, that's but anyway, I, I, I got to get back on this. But hey, y'all can come into the SEC. It's fine. We'll let you. All right. All right. See, it's fun already. Anyway, I was here 11 years ago, and um, I cannot begin to tell you what uh, an incredible mark that Pastor Jay made on my heart and uh, in his amazing family, this amazing team. Uh, Sweet Pea is what I, I call her. I don't know what you guys call her, if, if that is over the line. Sorry about that. But anyway, um, they are very special to me and my family, and it's just an honor to be here I love this house. I love the people of this house. This house has passion, and I love the fact. In fact, that kind of, yeah, that's okay. That's good. Um, whenever I talk about passion, it reminds me of this joke that I heard one time about this man and his friend. They played golf every single week, same day of the week, every single week. Nothing stopped them from playing golf. And one day, Thursday afternoon, one day they're in the middle of, of playing their own 15th hole, and one gentleman is literally about to, about to do a chip shot on hole number 15, and out of the corner of his eye, he sees a funeral procession coming down the road, and, and he just takes a knee. He just takes a knee, takes his hat off, puts, puts his head down like this, and just, and just bows in just this incredible moment. And the gentleman playing with him said, man, that's incredible. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen you do that. What passion. And the man was kind of getting up off the floor, and he said, yeah, I figured I would give a, a, a kneel and a nod. It's the least I could do because I was married to that woman in that hearse for 35 years. <laughs> I'm here all day. <laughs> Everybody say passion. Now, actually, that story has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. I just think that it's a funny story. But, uh, man, it's, it's so good to be here. And I want to, I want to preach to you today. And I want you to help me preach because here's the thing. Here's the thing about visiting guests like, like myself. When you help me preach, I preach not only better, but I preach much faster. <laughs> and so every time that you give me an amen, I kind of shift gears. Amen. See? See how that works? You're learning already. I love that. I love that. But I want you to help me preach. We're going to be talking about Jesus over everything. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus over everything. Uh, it's not a new title, but I hope today that I can give you a little bit of a different angle on this amazing idea. Because whenever you think about this, I think most people would agree, yeah, I mean, as a believer, that's the way that it should be. But I want to warn you that Jesus over everything has some implications. For example, Jesus over everything, first of all, implies Jesus over 
you. And, and that also implies when Jesus is over you, that means that you are under Jesus. And that means that your ways are under his ways. And, and, and our will is subject to, to his will. So, so before you get too fired up and say, preach, preacher, let me let, me let you know it's got some implications that's going to come along with this. Here's probably the best way that I could say it. Jesus must not be marginalized. He must be prioritized. Because there's a lot of people, and they'll, they'll come into the faith, or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a little while, and, and everything is okay. You got, you got Jesus as a part of the equation, but Jesus is supposed to be the entire equation. He's supposed to be over everything. And to make sure that he's prioritized in everything that we do, what I want to do is I want to open and I want to just kind of, I want to ask you to look at life's spectrum for just a second because I want you to see how much goes on in this thing called the spectrum of life because at one end of the spectrum that hinders Jesus from being over everything is this thing called pride and pride is just spiritual narcissism and that's whenever a person would say I don't need the Lord in my life I mean if he's maybe like an emergency ripcord and if I really need him then I'll call out to him but but I got this I'm okay I'm good and on the other end of the spectrum, you have apathy. And apathy is spiritual indifference. And that's where someone just says, I'm so tired of it all, I don't even have the bandwidth to care anymore. And so for you, listen closely, for you to live out this gospel message with the effectiveness that Jesus invites you to do, you got to make sure that Jesus is over everything. you got to make sure that Jesus is over your pride you got to make sure that Jesus is over your apathy and everything in between. And this is not just a good idea. This is a God idea. And so let's go to the scriptures in your Bible. We're going to look at the book of Colossians. And if you're new to the faith or if you're just kind of kicking the tires, Colossians is a book by a dude by the name of Paul. And he's writing to a church that is already in existence in this little town called Colossae. And so that's why we call the book Colossians. And we pick up in chapter 1, starting in verse 15, and it says this, the Son, obviously that's Jesus Christ, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, time out real quick, that right there is just miles deep and miles beautiful from a theological perspective, but he goes on, for in him, or in Christ, all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things. Everybody say all things. All things have been, been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And listen, notice the inclusive language. Notice how he's saying everything, okay? He's not just saying everything. He's saying everything, okay? It's, he is before all things, and, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, which that's us, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy and another version says that in everything he might be preeminent and that means he must be first Jesus must be first and the grammar the, the, the New Testament was written in Greek and if you dig into 
to the, like the verb tenses and all this different stuff that's above my pay grade, you would learn that the language here, like Jesus is the head, he's the beginning, he's the firstborn. All of this language is, is profound and comprehensive terminology, but it cannot just remain in the lexicons or in the commentaries. Guys, we're supposed to take this idea of Jesus being first in our life and we're supposed to live it out. We're supposed to flesh it out. We're supposed to put him over our pride and over our apathy and everything in between. Jesus should be over everything. Put your hands together and help me celebrate that. Because it's not enough that Jesus just have prominence in our life. He must have preeminence in our life. He's not just a part of this. He's all of this. And so here's what I want to do this morning. Like here, here's, here's, here's where I'm going, okay? If you're wondering where I'm going, right here. I'm, I'm, I'm letting the cat out of the bag right here. I want to drill down on one specific area because number one, I think that some of you are in this place and I think that this is going to help you. Number two, this is probably the more, more, more important of the two. If I can convince you to place Jesus over this one area that we're going to talk about, then you're going to realize how easy and how profitable and how, how beneficial it is to place Jesus over everything. So here's the million dollar question. Look at your neighbor and say, listen up, it's boy's about to get going. <laughs> All right. Have you ever been... Are you now, do you ever think that one day you might be in a state of chaos? Well, I thought you were going to talk about something like far-fetched. I mean, that, that, my middle name is chaos, right? <laughs> Have you ever been, do not look at the person next to you if you are married to them. Have you ever been in relational chaos? told you don't look some of you are looking stop <laughs> trying to help y'all today have you ever been in financial chaos mm, I'm preaching right have you ever been in emotional chaos have you ever been in spiritual chaos see the thing about chaos is chaos is common ground all of us have been there so that's what we're going to do today we're going to learn that whenever we place Jesus over our chaos then it positions us to place Jesus over everything. And the reason, watch, watch, I'm fixing to help you and hurt you all at the same time, is because the reason why this is such a big deal is when you're in a state of chaos, you like to take control. That's why I started with that whole pride thing a second ago. Right? But think with me for just a brief moment, and this is going to be so easy, all of you are going to be like right here in the palm of my hand, because listen, think over the last 18 months what kind of chaos we have seen? Economic chaos, racial chaos, civil chaos, an international viral pandemic, y'all, that shut the planet down. Like, who saw that coming? Nobody, right? So everybody goes through chaos, but how you go through chaos is what really matters. How you go through chaos see because are you are you trying to control everything as you're walking through the chaos or are you surrendered to everything as you're walking through chaos because a lot of people would say that they're committed to Jesus but there's a difference between being committed to Jesus and surrendering to Jesus because whenever you're committed you're still in control 
right? I'm, I'm committed to having you a part of this equation, but whenever you're surrendered to Jesus, it's, it's, it's like Jesus praying in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. And that's hard to do. That's very difficult for us to do. So as you're going through chaos, this is probably one of the most important things that I want to say today. And I wish that I could look everybody in the eye. And so let me just look right here. And I want to tell you, you are not alone. Because whenever you're going through chaos, you think nobody understands where I'm at. Nobody understands the weight that I'm under. Nobody really gets this, this thing that I'm in, right? Because even though we all go through chaos, when we go through chaos, we go through it differently, don't we? Based on where you've come from, based on your track record, the chaos that you're going in right now, it may mean something very different to you than it means for, for me. One time we went on this uh, this kayaking trip. I love to get outdoors every once in a while when I have somebody that can take care of like, you know, the wolves and the grizzly bears and stuff. I like to go with somebody who's tougher than I am so that they can like save my life and whatnot. But we, we go up to the current river in uh, Missouri and we, we, we kayak a day and we spent the night. We kayak a day, we spent the night. And this is one of those rivers where there's parts of the river where you're sitting in the kayak and you kind of got to, you got to scooch along is how we say it in Louisiana. We just kind of, because it's so shallow, we're, we're rubbing the bottom. And then there's parts of the river where you can't touch the bottom at all. It's, it's just, it's all over the place. And there was this one guy with us, his name was Trey. And, and I mean, we've got our backpacks, we've got our sleeping gear, we've got our cooking stuff everything is strapped to these to these boats as we're paddling down the river and and he gets in this situation and and he and he goes over and 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 he loses his mind help i mean it, it, it like the voice is several different octaves in one help i mean he's just completely freaking out and he and we look we turned around and he's holding on to a tree help just screaming at the top of his lungs and i said bro Stand up. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live. But see, we were like, come on, man. It's just stand up. But, but see, back in the day, what had happened was, back in the day, whenever he was younger, he had a near drowning experience. See, see, see what that did to you? Like, like because, you, because you realize he saw that moment differently, because we're all going through chaos. I was on the same river he was going on. And we were all paddling in the same direction. We were all on the trip together. But he experienced it differently because of, because of his, his pattern in life that had got him to that point, and that's what a lot of us do. And so chaos is personal. And so listen to me again. Ready? You are not alone. You feel like that you're walking through this thing and, and I don't even know if God knows what I'm going through right now. You are not alone because the level of chaos that we're looking at right now is new to a lot of us. Again, we've never lived through a worldwide pandemic that closed down the world. This is new territory for us. But if, if that's called bad news, I do have some good news. And the good news is, while chaos may be new to us, chaos is not new to God. Chaos is actually mentioned in Scripture. And as I go through these, I want you to listen closely, and I want you to listen, listen closely at how deeply rooted chaos really is. Listen how far back this idea really goes. 
So ancient civilizations had a metaphor or a comparison that they used for chaos, and it was water. So much was unknown about water in the ancient days that they just began to compare that to this thing called chaos. Just think about it. Whenever people first started drowning, they didn't understand what that meant. They didn't understand what was going on. And whenever they're standing on the edge of a river or a lake and they see a, they see a fish kind of flop on top of the water, it just reminded them, I really don't know what's going on underneath the surface. And the unknown factors of the weather because the ship would go out and just suddenly the ship would not come back in. And we don't know what happened out there on the water. It was just very chaotic. Super ancient Mesopotamian writers referenced the dangers of the sea. Ancient Babylonian writings even had a, a name called Tiamat for a sea monster in their, in their writings. One scholar even said that ancient civilizations, especially Israel, believed that chaos was the earliest and most original state of the universe. And I have scripture for it. Genesis chapter 1, the opening words, the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, kind of chaotic. Darkness was over the surface of the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there's, there's formless, empty chaos in the first two verses of the Bible. And then the theme continues with Noah's ark. The chaos covered the entire earth. Genesis 6 and 17, God said, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all of life under heaven. And then again, in the story of Exodus, Israel is being delivered from, from slavery out of Egypt. And they're trying to find their way to the promised land. And then there's this insurmountable, impassable chaos in front of them called the Red Sea. And, and, and what happens whenever we begin to get into chaos, we don't think right. It convolutes our thinking. Because listen to what they said in Exodus 14 and 12. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians in slavery than to die here. They're scared of the chaos. The chaos comparison continues even more so in Psalm 74. But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation on the earth. It was you who split open the seas by your power. You broke the heads of the monster in the waters. It was you who crushed the heads of Leviathan. And so what you should be learning is chaos is not new to God. Even though it's new to us, it's not new to God. And so if you've ever battled worry, if you've ever battled fear, if you've ever been stressed out, you are not alone. You are not alone. Because what we begin to do is we think something's wrong with me. I'm broken because I'm stressed all the time. God must be, ready, punishing me. Because I'm walking through this chapter and I cannot break free from this. In fact, in the past year and a half, if, if you've been restless or you've been uneasy or you've been freaked out, can I just let you know that you're in the right place today, hearing the right message from the right Savior today? Amen to that. So with the next four hours that I have to preach to you, Amen. just want to make sure you're listening. Amen. Pastor's already told me if I preach long that I'm not coming back, so we're good. <laughs> Let me preach to you two things that Jesus reveals through the chaos. The first thing is Jesus reveals his authority by calming the chaos. Mark chapter 4, verse 37 if you've been around scripture, if you've been around church, you've heard this story. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. 
and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Isn't that just like Jesus? <laughs> Your world's freaking out, and my man's taking a nap. It's like a Texas nap, where nap is two syllables, a nap, right? <laughs> you need to go take a nap. The disciples woke him up and said, bro, that's the Texas version, bro, don't you care if we drowned? Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? So there's a couple of things that I want to I give to you from that point, a couple of sub-points. And the first thing is this. Out, of this. out of this story in Mark, we learned that the disciples were incredibly bothered by the chaos. They were incredibly bothered by the chaos. Now, I don't have scripture for this, but I think one of the main reasons why they were so bothered is because they weren't doing anything wrong. Jesus told them, get in the boat, go from here, go to there. They were following the instructions of the Lord. They were following the teachings of the Lord. And all of a sudden, this, this, this chaotic wind blows up, the storm blows up, and they just momentarily forgot that Jesus was with them. But I want to let you hear something. I want to remind you of something. Just because chaos comes near you does not mean that the Lord has left you. Come on. That's good news. That's good news, right? So the disciples were incredibly bothered by the chaos. But the second thing I want to make sure that you understand is Jesus was not. Jesus was not bothered by the chaos. So the storm hits again, and Jesus is taking a nap. And, and it's just like they go down and they just say, Jesus, do you not care that we are about to die? And you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say amen. But how many of you have recently prayed the same kind of prayer? Jesus, do you not care that I am in this current state of chaos that I am in? Do you not see me floundering around? Do you not see that the waves are crashing over the boat? Do you not care about me? It's just honest. That's what it is. It, it, you're, you're not being angry. You're just being honest. And then Jesus just gets up and he just says, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves said, shh. And that moment led the disciples to ask a question. And they said, who is this? That the wind and the waves would obey. Who is this that has this kind of authority? That he can step into something that is chaotic and out of my control and just stop it like that. And that question that the disciples ask is the same question that every one of you have to also ask. Who is Jesus? Who, who is this man? Because scriptures, all throughout the scriptures, Folks were trying to understand who Jesus was. They would see him do something and they couldn't get it figured out. And they would hear him teach something and they couldn't get it figured out. And they just kept trying to figure out who is Jesus. And so again, ready? If that's you and you're like, 
Who really is Jesus? You are not alone. You're not alone. And so Jesus reveals his authority by calming the chaos. And then I want to read another story to you. This is my second point. Jesus reveals his dominion by walking on the chaos. Matthew chapter 14. Are you picking up the water stories? Here, we're in the second water story if you you hadn't caught up on that. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Time out. You read that. If you've been around church, you're like, Jesus walking on the water. The disciples saw him on the other side of the lake. No, 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 no. Jesus was walking on the water. When is the last time you saw one of your friends walking on the water? We serve a Lord who has the kind of dominion that he can just, I just kind of felt like he was kind of walking like this, just like, I don't know what he was doing, but he was walking on the water. That's a side note. That wasn't that in my notes. That was for free. But anyway, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they freaked out. That's the South Louisiana translation. They were terrified. It is a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear, which, by the way, you would too. You'd be, you you want to say, like, oh, Jesus walking on the water, but you would freak out as well. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. All right, Lord, if that's you, prove it. Peter replied, tell me to come to you out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And if you have not ever cried out to the Lord and said, save me, today is that day. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you have such a little amount? Why did you doubt? What's going on? And then they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. And there were those in the boat, and they worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There's so much we can pull out of this passage. There's a whole series in this entire passage. But a couple of little sub-points that I want to leave you with here. I'm not far from finishing. Stay with me, because I want to be invited back. I'm following Pastor Jay. But... (laughs) The first thing is Jesus met them in their storm. Jesus will meet you wherever you are. Some people come to the Lord and they think that they're so lost, they're so broken, that they'll never be able to find hope, they'll never be able to find redemption, they'll never be able to find their way to the Lord. But if you're here today, I'm telling you, you've already found your way. you just got to let him come into your heart, come into your world. He didn't say, if you can get to me, we'll talk. Like, I've been in, parent, uh, in trouble with my parents before, and they're like, all right, you come to the house. I'll get you out of this jam again. That's not what the Lord said. He said, let me come to where you are. I will come to your turf. I will come to your storm. I will come to your chaos. I will help you. Because the Lord, that's the kind of, he's a pursuing kind of a God. Aren't you glad that he doesn't give up on you? Aren't you glad that he just constantly pursues you? No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, he's just after you. Man, because if I, man, if I would have been leading these disciples, I'd been like, see y'all, done. I'm mad at y'all. You, you, but, but he just, he kept after them. And all of my life, he has kept after me. All of your life, he has kept after you. He's a pursuing kind of a God. 
He's relentless in that. And the second thing is, even though the disciples were worried about their storm, Jesus walked on it. The storm's blowing you all around. You can't find up from down, and Jesus is like, I'm going to walk on it. Why? Because Jesus is over everything. He never allowed the chaos to set his expectations. The expectations of Jesus were never at the mercy of the storm. The storm was always at the mercy of his expectations. And you know what? He's given you that same authority. He's given you that same right. He's given you that dominion. There's a scripture that says you have the authority to tread on snakes and scorpions. And y'all, I hate snakes and I hate scorpions. But if he's given me that, that authority to tread on the metaphorical things that are trying to sting me and I can stand on them with dominion. Scripture says that the same spirit that raised Jesus up out of that tomb is in you too. You have that same spirit inside of you. The book of Acts said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You have the authority. You have the right. You have what it takes to keep fighting. Stand up and keep fighting. Keep fighting. He's given you what you need. So he's, he's, he's got dominion over it. He can calm it. Those are two incredibly important things. But as, as the team comes to help me, this is the most important thing that I could ever tell you right here. The most important chaos for Jesus to solve in your life is sin. Because what chaos does is chaos creates more chaos. Whenever you're in chaos, it's like it keeps raining. You know what I mean? And listen, it's because some of you, you have some good logic, you have some good theories, you have some good ways of living, but whenever you're still trapped in the equation and sin is in that equation, it's always going to be a sinful equation. You can, you can do right, you can try right, you can try a lot of good things, but as long as sin is still there, because here's what we've done over the last some time in our re- world and reality, this concept of sin has become cheapened by illogical argue, arguments over right and wrong. We'll say, is it really that? Is it really wrong? My truth, your truth, and we kind of get into that whole thing, because here's what we do. We connect this idea of sin with, we connect the, the dots of sin with the dots of the Ten Commandments. And, and we say that because the Ten Commandments are old and antiquated, then the concept of sin is old and antiquated as well. But, but Scripture is very clear in the book of Romans. It says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the word sin means I've missed the mark. We've all missed the mark. At some point in our life, we've all in, we, we've missed this target that God had set up for us. And so, whenever sin comes into your world, the proximity is broken between you and the Lord. And chaos reigns. And so what you have to do today, if you have never cried out to the Lord and called upon him and said, save me, here's what you have to do. I love John 6 and 21. Same story as Jesus walking on the water. The disciples were willing to take him into the boat with him. You need to let Jesus into your boat. You need to let Jesus into your life. 
You need to receive him. You need to open up your eyes and open up your hearts and say, come into my world. So today, here's the declaration we're going to make. Lord, take the wrongful sin from my life by taking the rightful place in my life. Jesus over everything. So I want you to stand. And this is preacher talk, but I'm going to say it anyway. I want you to lean in, and I want you to move around. You've got plenty of time. Stay with me for just a second. Because I want you to listen closely. This is the most important part of the entire day right here, right now. For some of you, this may be the most important moment of your entire life. But our prayer partners are going to come to the front, and I'm going to give everybody in the building an opportunity to pray. And I want you to listen closely. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm talking. I'm closing to two groups. Number one. If you've never called upon the Lord and said, save me, that needs to happen today. If you've never repented of your sins, if you've never said, come into my life, if you've never said, fill me with your spirit and transform my life forever, that needs to happen today. And these prayer partners are going to be here to help you walk through that, talk through that. If you don't even know what it means to repent of your sins, like, I don't even know what that means. Cool. You are in the right place. We got you. And the second group of people that I'm calling upon is those that you're already walking with the Lord, but you're in a state of chaos. And you're filled with fear and you're filled with stress and you don't know which way is up and which way is down. And I want to tell you, you've got to let Jesus into your boat. Because some of you came here and you didn't know, you, you, you don't know what the week holds. You, you, you're in such a state, you, don't, you, you just don't know. I don't let you know you got to let him into your boat. Because when you let him into the boat, it's going to change everything. It's going to change the, the, the storm that you're walking through. It's going to change the problems that you have. Are you still going to have problems? Absolutely. Monday, when you wake up, you're going to have, your hair's going to look bad and your breath's going to smell terrible. You're still going to have bad days. I'm not saying that whenever you come to the Lord that you just float on a cloud of glory for, for all of eternity and, and everything is just perfect. No, you, you, but even on the bad days that you have, when Jesus is in the boat with you, it's calm. You'll be in the middle of a storm, but it's calm because you've got a calmness on the inside of your soul. Rather than trying to control what's going on on the outside, you've got an inner peace that's given you all that you need. And so I'm, I, want you to do the, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to bow your heads right now, and I'm going to begin to pray. And whenever I begin to pray, I, wanna, I, want, I want everybody that is in a storm, I want everybody that, that you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm, I, want, I want you to have the guts and have the courage to step out in faith and come and agree in prayer with one of these prayer partners. Today's the day. Now's the moment. This is the opportunity. They're going to they're gonna agree with you, and they're going to help you. They're going to encourage you because it's not God's plan for you to leave here in the same amount of stress and fear and chaos that you came here. He wants you to leave a different person. So, Lord, right now, as people begin to open up their hearts, as people begin to come down to the front, maybe if someone's watching online and they're commenting, Lord, I pray that your power and your presence would be here, Lord. Lord, if somebody is in this place and they're in a storm, let them walk down to the front right now. Let them, let them reach out to you right now by way of one of these precious prayer partners dear God let your power let your authority be here dear God let your power and your authority be here dear God if someone is not walking with you if someone has never surrendered their life to you Lord let them understand that today is that day because Lord we're talking about walking and talking with you in our lives Lord and so if we're going to grow with you in our hearts and our lives we've got to have you in our lives 
Come on, church, lift your voice right now and let's pray. Lift your hands, let's pray. God, move in this place right now. Let your power and your authority, dear God, rest in this place, dear God. You see every storm that anybody is going through. You see every chapter of chaos that someone is living in, dear God. I speak peace in the name of the Lord Jesus. I speak peace and authority and power, dear God. So as we sing and as we worship, dear God, would you let your authority rest here? Would you let your dominion rest here, dear God? Our hearts are pointed towards you. Our lives are given to you, Lord. Let it be done in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, let's sing, let's pray, let's worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, families worshiping together. Families praying together. Friends praying together. Come on, lift him up. as we stand here in this moment our hearts are surrendered to you dear God yeah we're committed to you but but we're taking that a step further Lord we're surrendering to you as you're continuing to work with these individuals that are with prayer partners Lord I just pray for this entire congregation right now Lord I pray that your hand would rest upon them Lord for everybody that's joining us online I pray that you would meet them right where they are dear God that someone that's watching this six months from now on the app or online, Lord, I pray that you would meet them right where they are, God, because that's the kind of God that you are. You meet us in our storm. You meet us where we are. You meet us on our turf, Lord. And I thank you for the power and the authority that we find in that, dear God. And Lord, I just pray that everybody that would find themselves in some sort of a chaotic situation right now, I pray, Lord, that they would leave with a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that they would, that they would leave this place, Lord, knowing that they have encountered you. And that because they have encountered you, that they're changed and they're, they're equipped and they're empowered to continue going forward as they walk through the storm, Lord. And Lord, I pray for those that maybe, maybe they're not in a storm right now, but they understand, they're smart enough to realize that one day a storm will come. 
but Lord, we rest in your presence right now and we invite you into that storm that's coming into our life in a time we, we can't even see it into the future, Lord. We just prophesy into the future, Lord, that you would be with us, not only now, but through everything that we're going through. Because Lord, you said you'd never leave us. You said you'd never forsake us. And that means right now and that means forevermore, Lord. So Lord, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice, that their hearts would be lifted that their spirits would be engaged and that they would realize, Lord, that they can invite you into the boat in any circumstance. We can invite you into the storm in any scenario and you will show up and you will help us. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for the power that's in you. Thank you for the power that you placed inside of us by way of that amazing Holy Spirit that you allow us to walk in and talk in. And it gives us the authority and the power to go through this life on a daily basis. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody in the building says amen. amen. Put your hands together. Come on. Come on. Somebody celebrate what God's done. Amen. You're dismissed. Hug 47 necks on your way out of here in a COVID-friendly way. God bless you richly.